Should I do the Good Morning Faith Fellowship? Yes. Okay, I just did that. Okay, super. I don't want to steal Dale's trademark. That's awesome. Awesome, guys. Man, it is exciting. Um, I, I asked Dale in a text message a couple of days ago if I could go ahead and have four hours, six hours. Because that's, that's how long I thought I would need. Because, man, I don't know if it was my... I, I'm sure it's the word of God, but it was where I was at as I was studying this out. We were at the lake this week, Emily and I. So when it's just you, a lake, and the word, yeah, things get super clear, right? And it's like God is just like pouring, okay, stuff. It's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. I, people, people laugh at me sometimes because I'll say this. I'm like, I tell people I'm on a Bible break sometimes. Because and, and they, they kind of laugh at me and I'm like, no, no, I'm serious. Like I'm on a Bible break because like I, I'm still trying to process what I got last week. A lot of times, you know, we, we, we just read to read to read to read and we never allow ourselves time to let it process. Right. And because I tell my kids um, and, and we've, we've all been we've all seen this. Uh, the goal isn't to read a chapter a day to keep the devil away. We, we all know people who could tell you everything the book of Isaiah has to say and treat their life like trash. That's not the goal. The goal isn't just to spend as much time possible studying things and then you never get a renewed mind. Right. The idea for us is, man, you know what? I need to take God's word and I need to renew my mind. because That's what's transforming. Right. Um, you see these in incredible systems of theology out there. We've got systematic theology. Right. Where I can explain everything about sanctification or everything about prayer, everything about baptism. Or what's the other one? Reformed theology. That's a good one. Reformed. So now now, you know, nothing really matters. It's all God and all, you know, all of that stuff. Well, I think we need to get back to some transforming theology. Because that's what really that's what we're commanded to do. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. So. So that's, man, that's where I'm coming from today. Uh, we're in Psalm 119. Um, I was telling Dell earlier today, I've never preached out, out of Psalm ever, <clears throat> like at any time in my life, right? So we'll go at this together and see what happens, all right? So, but it is awesome. The, uh, I, man, I get the, uh, the privilege of teaching the, the, you know how Psalm 119 is, is stanzas of eight verses, Right? So I get the, the privilege of teaching the eighth one. And you're like, okay, well, that doesn't even sound cool because the eighth one doesn't really make much sense. Well, because you're thinking about numbers. Like, okay, well, three, I understand the number of three is important. That five's important. Seven's important, right? I understand those. Well, eight is equally important. Eight is the number that represents new beginnings, resurrection, hope, right? And I think... I, as I approached Psalm 119 in this eighth stanza, you know, I, I really wanted to, to look at that from, from that perspective, is this is a new dawning, a new day, a resurrection, right? Regeneration. Um, you see the number eight. Um, it's kind of funny. You just, you, you end up looking at things and you're like, oh, that's cool. I never noticed that. Creation happened in seven days, but there's eight and God said, which is interesting. Because he's, he's creating something. And then on the ninth one, speaking of numbers, is talking about fruit. Hey, you know what? All of these trees are going to give you enough fruit to live. Provision. You'll be hearing about that in the next service. So the, um, 
the ark, you know, the covenant, eight souls got off the ark. Noah, his wife, his three boys, and their three wives, right? Um, the resurrection, you see it, the first day of the week. Okay, that's kind of a weird one. The first day of the week is, it's all, even though it's the first day of the week, it's also the eighth day of the last week, right? So you see eight, you see this coming over and over and over. You know, it's interesting with, with the disciples in John chapter 20, verse 19, it says this, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, peace be unto you. And at the end of the day, that is the end of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ is peace. You know, so you just, it's kind of cool. You just see all these cool representations of the numbers. I'm not, you know, we can nerd out. I think, is that what Dan used to say? Nerding out. Yeah, I can nerd out on things. So, you know, but it is interesting because, you know, uh, even in Philippians chapter four, you see, you see Paul's teaching on prayer. You pray, you're at peace, and now you're back to the positive frame of mind to make good choices. You know how many, um, speaking of the positive mind, you know how many, eight, how many characteristics are in that verse? I just gave it away, by the way. Yeah, so, eight, yeah, eight. Jesus, yeah, Jesus, the Sunday school answer is always Jesus. <laughs> Speaking of Jesus, that's going to be the, the focus today, so that's good. So yeah, all right, guys, so this passage is going to guide us through some, some fresh perspectives, right? Um, sometimes we just need to hit the reset button, right? Um, we've had a heck of a year, <clears throat> and, and Satan, he wants us one of Satan's ploys is this. He wants to take something very simple and make it complex. And we actually go right along with it. We prefer it that way. Because the minute we can take something simple and make it complex, now we have built-in excuses why we won't do it. We call it we can't do it, but that's not really the case. It's we won't do it. You get what I'm saying? So, man, if, if we could just take something very simple and say, you know what, I'm going to make this as complex as possible. I noticed this when I was watching the news. I don't usually watch the news. I've actually vowed to stop watching the news. But Emily and I were gone, and the TV was on, and it just happened to be on, and they were talking about this gender question, right? And, and, there's, and there's the, uh, you've got the situation where you've got the panel of people, right? And you know, there's always that one other person, the voice that, that is a dissenting voice. So everybody's like attacking this person and she starts her rebuttal with, okay, I understand freedom of speech and I understand freedom of religion, okay? I also understand that the gender thing is very, very um, complicated and complex. It's like, no, actually, that's one of the most simple things on the planet. You just look down. Like it's like, you see what I'm saying? Like, like as soon as they can add some complexity to it, now there's a reason to talk about it. No, and, and, and all that does is lead to confusion. Satan wants nothing more than to have us in a place of confusion. This is what happened at the very beginning, right? God looks down, it's a pure chaos. This is what Satan does. He makes messes, right? So today, man, I just want to get back to the simplicity of Christ. And, and you know, the, 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 the verse that, that states this perfectly is this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. And it says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. 
man, we need to get back to the simplicity of Jesus Christ. Um, People don't need to know our stances on anything other than Jesus Christ. Period. We, We spend a lot of time talking about a lot of stuff that doesn't matter at all. That's called wood, hay, and stubble. Right? Man, it's time for us. Man, God has put us in a church that values the words of God. We've been around, um, feel blessed, because most churches don't. Most churches would say, yeah, that's cool, but we're going to go ahead and jump off and talk about whatever's happening today. Right? There's no power there, guys. So Psalm, as, as Psalm 119, man, I just want to think about and, and, and just give you guys eight fresh perspectives that we see in Psalm 119. All right. Um, I know an awesome prayer was made for me, but I'm going to pray again just to make sure everything's cool. Okay. All right. Father, I thank you, Lord, um, just for how good you are to us, God. Lord, I thank you for all of the blessing that you've given to us, Lord. God, I thank you for each person in this room. God, I pray that just right now, Lord, the Holy Spirit would, would do what only the Holy Spirit can do, and, and that's to guide us into all truth and to teach us all things, Lord. God, I thank you um, just for the promises we have in your word. God, I pray that, that Lord, um, God, just right now, Lord, you, your, your word would, would have free course in this room. And, and if there's any bondage or, or chains that are holding on to anything, Lord, um, God, they would just break, Lord. Because that's what your word does. That's what your son does for us. God, I thank you. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So Psalm 119, 57 through 64. The first, the first verse, verse 57, is, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. All right? Thou art my portion. I told Emily a couple days ago, you know what, um, as I was studying this out, I actually on purpose made that my morning statement. And it made a world of difference. Something that we have to remember is this. We need a fresh perspective on on possession. And I didn't put it on here, but it's almost as if a possession and position. We spend an awful lot of time talking about behavior. And it has nothing to do with our behavior. When it talks about our portion, you know what that means? Um, that, 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 that means it's translated as our share in God, right? Our share. Um, I'm, I've often asked people, you know, and it's amazing to me how, how we've just completely missed this. But the primary meaning of the word hamartia in the New Testament, which is our word for sin, is to not have a share in. It's not to miss the mark. It's not to transgress. It's to not have a share in. That means we don't have a behavior problem. We have a position problem. We have a possession problem. I can, I can be born, keep every possible commandment, and still split hell wide open. Because it's never been about behavior. We wonder why we have all these Christians that are frustrated today because they're in a performance-based situation, Right? Well, we've been sharing the gospel this way. Hey, Gentile, you've broken the Jewish law and God's not happy. When is the Gentile ever held 
That doesn't make any sense. Absolutely not. You know, the real gospel is this. Hey, you know what? Person, you are so valuable that Jesus Christ died for you. Who doesn't want to hear that message? We've gotten, so, we've gotten so negative in our approach that we've said, you know what? Man, if the gospel's not offensive, you're not preaching it right. No, it's only offensive to the religious. It's foolishness to the rest of the people. You get what I'm saying? Because it's utter foolishness. The more you look at the gospel, it absolutely makes zero sense in the human mind. Wait, I know me. I know my thoughts. I know what I do. Man, you know what? He loves me. That doesn't make any sense. Does that make sense? Doesn't make any sense. Does that make sense? So perfect. Yeah. So if it makes sense, it's wrong. Okay. So yeah. So the idea, guys, is this. Man, we need a fresh perspective on, a, on our possession. All right. Thou art my portion. Man, any fresh start has to begin here. Jesus Christ is my solution and nothing else. I'm going to say that again because I'm saying it from an individual. Jesus Christ is my solution and nothing else. Wait, Chris, you're saying that with your wife in the room? Absolutely. Absolutely. She is not my solution. Man, if I'm ever in a position where I need something from another human being, I'm in a losing position. There's nothing but frustration and, and unmet expectation. Jesus Christ is my solution. Thou art my portion. This is where any fresh start has to begin. This is where salvation began. And this is where we need to continually get back to because we've added so much stuff to this thing. Right? Jesus Christ is my portion. Period. Sometimes, it, you know, some people it takes, it takes a couple of years to get here. And there is a process. There is a process that takes place. We see that in Romans chapter 5, right? We got, you got experience, patience, patience, hope, right? Because it takes time to realize, you know what? Everything I'm trying is failing. Everything else, every relationship that I have fails. But you know what? So hopefully we get there in a couple years. Hopefully we get there in about a year, year and a half, right? Some people don't get it until their deathbed. And they realize, you know what? The only thing I ever needed was Jesus Christ, because that's the only thing I'm counting on right now. We kind of need to start living on our deathbed. You get what I'm saying? That's kind of the idea for us. Man, um, you see this in the wilderness, right? What is that, a 12-day journey? I always, I always screw that up. I probably should look that up sometime and become concrete in my, my knowledge of how long that journey should have taken. Does any Bible study students know? What's that? Was it 11 days? 11 days. Okay, 11 days. It took 40 years, right? There's no reason it should have taken 40. We're, man, we're in the same boat. We just meander through life, going from thing to thing, tossed to and fro is what it's called, by whatever's happening, whatever winds are of the day, and we never find any stability in Jesus Christ. Man, my portion is Jesus Christ. And, and guys, the sooner we arrive here, the better off we're all going to be. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, bless, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You see how all of a sudden 
when you start understanding that Jesus Christ is everything, it affects your prayer life. We're sitting around praying for God to bless us when his word already says you've been blessed with all spiritual blessing. You, you see what I'm saying? And we become very casual with the words of God. You know, we need to be very sharp with the words of God. This is what, this is what, this is what should define us. Man, if you want to read a, a tampered with word of God, okay, well, hope you enjoy your dull sword. Totally cool. I need a sharp sword. Because I have real, real enemies in my life. I need to be very clear on what God has said. Right? Colossians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Okay, by the way, more nerding out, you know what day the circumcision happened? The eighth day. So I, anytime you're entering a new covenant with, with the Lord, that happens on the eighth day, right? So and, and, and in Colossians chapter 2, Paul is talking exactly about this. He's like, let no man beguile you with, with philosophy and vain deceit. Everything the world offers is going to beguile you, right? I mean, he's saying guard yourself against that. He, and, he, and he says it this way, ye are complete in him. So any system that you're buying into that says you need to do this or that is a false system. No, your well-being, man, if you have Jesus Christ, you've won. You've, you've won. Like, like, like there's no more winning to be had. You've won. We just need to learn how to live in that victory. Just prayed that, right? I mean, when we spend our time trying to fight a, a battle and get the victory that it's impossible for us to get, that will be frustrating for us. That, that'll be tiring and wearisome to us. This is why we're told to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So I'm kind of going over the top on this one, but it's kind of important. I think this has to be the beginning place, man, a fresh perspective on our possession. Jesus is the solution. Okay. If you have Jesus, you have everything. And it's not Jesus plus something. We're seeing a lot of that. See, we'll get into persecution in a second. But, you know, what's different about the persecution that we face, it's very subtle. Well, Jesus is good, but I need so-and-so in the White House. Jesus is good, but, but I, need, I need that car. Satan wants you to feel like you're lacking something. Because if you feel like you're lacking, you think that God's let you down. And you have a negative thought process when it comes to our Father. This affects everything. This is why Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, the prayer works every single time. But in all things, through prayer and supplication, what's the next phrase? With thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. A person that is thankful is already full. They're content. They're not asking for anything. For themselves, because you know what, man, I've got Jesus Christ. I've got everything. So sorry, I'm I'm taking this horse and I'm just like kicking it. But I want to make sure, like, man, thou art my portion. Man, that is where this begins, right? Man, this started in the garden. God, man, thanks for all the trees, but I need that one. Thanks for all the provision, but I want I need that one, right? 
man, we need to get away from that. We need to get away from that because that tree represents everything the world offers. The Apostle Paul called it science falsely so-called. See, philosophy and science have one thing in common. They start with knowledge and end in wisdom. God's divine order begins with wisdom and ends in knowledge. That's why that tree's kind of messed up because you're standing under a tree of knowledge to make one wise. You're doing things exactly opposite of what God said. So I'm going to say it again. Thou art my portion. I'm not kidding, guys. Man, when that is your morning, when, it, that, when you wake up, and as soon as you can get to the place where you understand that you have everything you need for the day because of whose you are, that makes today go a lot, lot better. The fresh start has to begin there. And it says this, I have said that I would keep thy words. Man, if you view God as the most valuable thing you own, you kind of care what he says. If you don't view him as the most valuable thing in the world, you don't really care what he says. You're going to go find some solution somewhere else, right? God's words are perfect. They always work every single time. Um, cleaning up messes is what God's word has always done. Back to the creation. He looks down, there's a big mess. He says, let there be light. All of a sudden, that mess is cleaned up immediately. And here's how awesome God's word is. Here's how sovereign it is. He can say it one time, and it happens that way for eternity. See, that's not our experience with sovereignty, right? If you have kids, you kind of understand this, right? I'm sovereign in my house, but I got to keep repeating myself, right? No, no, no. When, when, when it comes to God's sovereignty, and this is very, very important, um, Jesus Christ is such a perfect solution that the Father is now seated because it's done. That's how perfect of a solution Jesus Christ is. That's awesome. That's, that's, to me, that just blows me away. That's incredible to me. That, no, man, Jesus Christ is such the perfect solution that him and his Father are now seated at the, at, uh, on the throne in heaven. That, that just makes me super happy. I'm just, I'm happy about that. So, man, Emily and I, we talk about this when, when we have marriage counseling at our house. I'll typically say it in one of the first meetings. I mean, you want to, if you really, if you really want to turn your marriage around, you could actually do that on the way home. Stop being mean to each other. Yeah, when you go out, open the door for your wife. Treat her like she actually means something to you. You're having sex when you get home. But the intimacy, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's, that's what I'm saying. Sorry. But uh, you, you get what I'm saying. I mean, that's, we, we want to, we oh, but you don't understand. I, man, this happened to me when I was a kid. You know what? Yeah, you know what happened to you since you were a kid? Jesus Christ happened to you. And Jesus Christ fixes everything. Period. His word always works. His words are extremely important. I mean, and we may say, this is where you kind of get into some, a realm of crazy a little bit, is, man, oh, I just, I keep, man, I just, I obey God with my whole heart. Okay, hogwash. Nobody in the history of man has ever done that. And to think that we have anything, to, like we're ever perfect enough for the message. Okay, two things here. You're never going to match the majesty of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means it's never about you. It's always about the message. That's what kind of keeps things honest. Humility says this. It's not about you anyway. 
to think that you have to be perfect means that it's possible that you can be or you have been. I mean, if God's righteousness come by keeping of the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If we could do it for one second, then Christ didn't need to go to the cross. That's an insult to our Savior. It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, it says, For this which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed against, unto him against that day. I mean, God is even the one keeping our commitments. It's never been about us. It's, it's God that worketh in you both to do and to will of his good pleasure, or the will and to do of his good pleasure. Our job is simply this, to renew our minds with God's words. Man, we have to give the Holy Spirit something to work with in our lives. And that's only going to benefit you. We, we prefer this, that we've traded some, somewhere along the line, we've traded the mystery of God for the mysticism of God. Right? We, we think that Christianity is up here in this cloud and the Holy Spirit just kind of floats around. Zap. No, the Holy Spirit resides in the believer. And, and if I need the Holy Spirit to bring all things to remembrance, he's not going to remind me of something I haven't put in. See, the, the, the word of God is not an obligation. It's a gift. Read 2, Corinthians, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. For all scripture is given by God, right? By the inspiration of God. You know, same thing with the church. Man, the minute this place becomes a checkbox to you, don't come. You're not doing yourself any favor. You're just actually fooling yourself. No, and he gave some apostles and some teachers and some prophets. You know, Ephesians chapter 4. It's a gift. Man, to be able to have, this is, this is what always rings true to my son. Is, man, church, you know, they do this. Dude, name me one other place on the planet where 400 people love you. You ain't finding it. Because it doesn't exist. By your love, one toward another, they will know you're my disciples. This is Jesus Christ formula all along. This is, what, this is what it's all about when it says, thou art my portion. You guys are my portion. Praise God. Thank you. That's awesome, right? I mean, how can you keep the word of God? How can you keep, I have said that I would keep thy words. How can you keep what you don't have? Or, or better yet, let's say, ask it a different question. How can you cast down wicked imaginations that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God when you don't even know what God's word says about particular subjects? You're, you're just, you're, you're, you, have, you haven't armed yourself for the battle, right? Man, this is why it's so important, man, to understand that this right here, man, when it, when it says, thou art my portion, Man, there is nothing but blessing in the Christian life. He's given me his son, John 3.16. He's given me his word. He's given me his body. He's given me his spirit. Sometimes as a father, I think, I know God is absolutely nothing like, like me. I, I, you know, so I'm not, I don't even know how to say that better. But here's the deal. Man, you know, do you guys ever visualize your prayer? Like me, it's like sometimes I visualize, like, okay, I, what, I know what I'm saying, but this doesn't make any sense at all based on what I know about the scripture. Like if, if Gavin kept coming to me and saying, hey, dad, I need this and I need this and I need, 
I'm, I mean, God's got to look at me and say, wait, 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 let me just get this straight. Um, I made you. Um, I came to earth and died for you. I left you my complete mind and will. Oh, by the way, I moved into your life to open your eyes so you can understand my complete mind and will. I've gifted you with the Holy Spirit to do what I've asked you to do. Like what, what else do you need? You, you get what I'm saying? Like, like maybe we need to re, like re, reestablish what we're praying for. Because what happens is we become very dishonest in our own prayer life. Oh, I just pray for a door of utterance. No, no, no. The reality is you just didn't take the conversation that way. Like, like we just have to be like, that's why, that's why the Apostle Paul and Jesus Christ both say, be not deceived. Don't deceive yourself. Think about it. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians and Colossians, door of utterance, he was in prison. We have a door of utterance called the Second Amendment. I, I, but we, but we, 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 we spiritualize this thing so much to where it becomes unreasonable. It's like, no, actually, you know what? I, I know for a fact I just left that conversation and the Holy Spirit prompted me and I didn't. Yeah, pray for me, Lord, that I would actually value that person better next time. That, that's the honest prayer right there. Because here's the deal. It's always appropriate to speak the truth in love. The gospel message is always the appropriate response to any person that we meet. Period. Because it's all about love. And if you don't understand the gospel, the good news that way, what you might want to think about you. What, what exactly are, are you having faith in? Man, if you're in a situation where God's only happy when you're doing this, that, or the other, you might want to rethink that. You might need a fresh perspective on not behavior, but possession. Man, we have Jesus Christ. Thou art my portion. Okay, that, that horse is dead. So now we'll move on. Okay, I just want to, man, okay. Okay, so yes, I wanted to make sure we understand that, man, Jesus Christ is everything. Period. There is, there is nothing else to be had. There is no other solution on the planet. 10,000 years from now, there's one decision that really matters. Are you in Christ or are you not in Christ? doesn't matter what your view on, on Calvinism and charismania. doesn't matter. Are you in Christ or are you not in Christ? I, am, I have become all things to all men that I might win some. Because Jesus is it. Okay. Rest. Horse. All right. Okay. Verse 58, Psalm 119. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. Okay, this is a fresh perspective on God's presence. All right, when it says, I entreated thy favor, man, that's basically this. Entreating is like, okay, based on my weakness, man, I am going to seek a remedy. And that remedy is always, so when it says thy favor, that actually is translated as face. Man, Whenever you're, you're weakness, you're seeking God's face. We want to be in God's presence. Okay? And this happens at the level of the heart. Okay? Man, this always begins in the heart. The, the weak are always going to seek. If you don't view yourself as weak and you view yourself as self-sufficient, you have no reason to seek God. You got it. I got this. Okay, well, yeah, good luck with that. Because you don't have that. 
right? And to think for one second that you do, you're kind of, de again, deceiving yourself. This always begins in the heart, okay? Where the world tells you make up your mind, God's word says make up your heart. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 says this, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. It's very interesting. If you look at that word affection versus acknowledgement, acknowledgement's kind of interesting because it, it how, it, it's how your mind affects your heart, and affection is how your heart affects your mind. It's very interesting. They're always come together, right? This always begins in the heart. This is the Christian battle. This is the Christian struggle. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says this, where, there will your where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. This is what Jesus Christ says. Man, it, ha it always begins here in the heart. Because if, if your heart towards somebody is not right, you're not going to be thinking correctly about that person. Does that make sense? We, you know, we, 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 we teach people that, hey, Romans 7 is your Christian life, and it's terrible. I mean, there's, like, really, that's, like, that's awful. The, the good news is this. That's not the Christian battle. Paul landed on something. He said, you know what? I thank God that I myself, I know who I am. Me personally, my real identity serves the Lord in the spirit. With the flesh, the law of sin. You know what? I still have to live in my flesh on this stinky planet with a bunch of stinky people that don't smell good. Right? Man, that, that's, not the, that, that, that's just a reality. Man, there's always going to be this, this tension between the flesh and the spirit, right? The real conflict of the believer is found in Philippians chapter 1. When the apostle Paul's like, hey, you know what? For me to die would be gain. Like everywhere I go, I get beat up. I'm in jail. I'm hungry. I'm cold. I've got nothing but care for the church. You guys, you see this. He's like, no, actually for me to die would be gain. Like, like, like for me, best case scenario, I die. And I'm with the Lord because he valued his relationship with God so much. But all of a sudden you see in Philippians chapter one, his pronouns change. He's like, hey, you know what? But for your sake, I'm going to stick around and do this. And what's interesting is this. The very last verse in chapter one, it says, you know what? This is the conflict that you hear to be in me and I hear to be in thee also. Like this is the conflict. Because with, without that conflict being worked out in our heart, where we value God and other people more than ourselves, chapter two is impossible. You can't have this, let this mind be in you without this heart being in you. You see the same model for us in uh, Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Okay, we just went from individual to singular. Present your bodies individually for the greater good, for the body of Christ, a living sacrifice. And then from that point on, it's all, it's all one. It's all singular. Because, man, the minute you can get into a situation where you're willing to die for the greater good, for the body of Christ, man, now your heart is set right, and now you're actually, verse 2, by the renewing of your mind. Now your mind is now going to be thinking straight. Does that make sense? But that's the idea here. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. It has to begin in your heart. Then it says this. It says, be merciful unto me according to thy word. You know what God's word is all about? I, I looked up the word, the word be merciful, and it's actually so beautiful. It says this, properly, to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior. 
If that doesn't wrap up the entire Bible, I don't know what does because that's exactly what he's done. He's like, hey, guys, I made you. Oh, you screwed up. Let me bend down here and help you. That, that's, that's the theme of the Bible. That's the news that we get to share with other people. That's incredible to me. And it says, according to thy word. Okay, this is the place of faith. We all know what Romans 10, 17 says, right? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, I often ask people, like, whenever I'm talking about this, is, hey, um, where's that verse in the Bible that says you can't fly like a bird? It's not, it's not in there, right? But there is a verse in the Bible that says don't talk to dead people. That should kind of freak us out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, like man, there's an entire spiritual world that we're supposed to not be a part of. He wouldn't tell us not to talk to dead people if it wasn't possible, right? Man, according to your faith, be it unto you. Make sure your faith isn't in this mysterious cloud up here that doesn't exist. Make sure your faith is in the word of God. That's what keeps you steady through life. Man, faith is believing and obeying God's word. Because if you really believe it, you will obey it. Like, I really believe if I set myself on fire right now, it'd be unpleasant. So I don't set myself on fire right now. Like, like there's certain things. Like that, that's how we should approach faith in the Bible. Because it doesn't just feel a way. It's a, it's a substance and evidence of what's happening on the inside. We see this in the, in, you know, back in the, in the Exodus. Man, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, it says that the word preached unto them did not profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith in them that heard it. And we all know how that ended. The two guys that had a good report are the ones that believed it and had faith and moved into the promised land. The other people didn't, right? Man, we need to, man, be merciful unto me according to thy word. This is where you have to plan. Man, the Holy Spirit needs to remind you. If Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. But God who is rich in mercy. Man, mercy is the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, I entreated my favor, thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful according to thy word. Okay, the next verse. Psalm 119.59 says, oh, what do you see here? You saw heart, and now what do you see? The thought, thinking. You see this? Man, it's very simple. Um, what's important to us rests right here. And we have this thing to figure out how to get what's in here. That's, that's it. Like, that's what we do, right? I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. A fresh perspective on our paths. Mark Trotter used to say this. You know what? You're going to get wherever your path is leading. This is, what, this is where repentance is all about, right? I thought on my ways. Man, a change of mind, which is repentance, will always result in a change of path. Man, th this is the idea, you know, of, of what we just talked about. We see it again in, in Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, right? Let the word of God dwell richly in you. And then all of a sudden you're thinking straight. And you know what the person who's thinking straight says? Thank you, God. Because the minute you're on, the minute you're speaking the, the language of thanksgiving, you know for a fact you're on God's page. But that's, that, that's the best spot to be, Right? And it comes with human relationships too. Like I, I, you know, think before you speak. And I'm not talking about using the brain. I'm saying T-H-A-N-K. Because if you're not thankful for the person you're talking to, there's a good chance you're not going to be speaking correctly to them. We need to have a fresh perspective on our paths. This is the idea of, of reproof and correction, 
right? Man, whenever I open up this word, I am actually disciplining myself in the scripture. Whenever I open it up, I'm reproved and I'm corrected, which opens the door for instruction in righteousness. Because without that process, you're never going to get on instruction in righteousness because you're never going to be going forward, right? Thy testimonies, it says. Testimony or witness. Okay, here's the bottom line, guys. God is worth following. That's what worship is. His ways are worth it, right? Um, so just as an idea here, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a, and a light unto my path, right? We see that in Psalm 119 later on in 105. Psalm uh, Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Okay? The good news is this. Christ has been here and he did that. So he knows exactly what we're going through. That's the Savior that we serve. Right? Because a testimony, you can only be a testimony or a witness in a court if you've actually witnessed something. You, you see this, the same thing in, in you know, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I mean, if you don't have anything to give the witness, what are you talking about? Right? Verse 60 in Psalm 119. And it says this. It says, I made haste and de delayed not to keep thy commandments. This is a fresh perspective on the prize. Man, what are we waiting for? Are we waiting for, for everything to be perfect before we talk to somebody? Because it's, it's never going to be. Are you going to wait until you learn more because you're just not really equipped? Do you, you know how ridiculous that is? I mean, honestly, I, and I went with this. I mean, think about this. In my SOT groups in Checkpoint in the early days, I had, I had uh, Kenny Morgan, Brian Clark, another guy named Adam in my small group. What do I have? For these guys, you know what? So you, you end up in a situation where you're inferior. Then you have to realize that, you know what? The apostle Paul says, I count all that but dumb that I may win Jesus Christ. Man, Paul changed the world. They turned the world upside down with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And he's like, you know what? All the other stuff, don't worry about it. That I may win Christ. The only way we're going to run this race with patience is following Hebrews chapter 12, right? Looking unto the author and finisher of our faith. Because only then we're able to run patiently knowing that, hey, you know what? There's a prize at the end of this thing. And the prize is other people. Ye are my crown of rejoicing. Thy commandments. This is really good for, for me. It's good because whenever you see this word, what immediately comes to mind what? Ten commandments, right? That shall not steal, that shall not kill, that shall not, you know. But there's only, there's, the problem is there's 603 other commandments in the Old Testament. Okay, so, so God went ahead and cleared this up for us, made it really nice. Um, love God and, and love others, and thus you fulfilled the law. Look at Romans chapter 13. Because you don't steal from people you love, you don't kill people you love, you don't sleep with people you love's wives, right? You see how all of a sudden, if you just do those two things, man, everything hangs on that. That's how simple it is. Back to the simplicity that is in Christ. Verse 61, the bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. This is a fresh perspective on persecution. We just heard a terrible story about India. It's there. It's very in your face there, right? For us, it's very subtle. We're under attack all the time. 
by ourselves. I, I need this. I need that. I need this. I need that. Man, I, I, I got to know what's going on here. I got to know. I got to watch this. I got to have all the answers. Okay, you know, Satan has created a system that's very confusing. Information is doubling at an incredible rate now. There's no way for us to vet it all. You don't know who to trust. It should drive us back to the word of God. So you know what? Um, all of that stuff is hogwash. I just want Jesus Christ. It says the, the, these, the bands, you know, and this is something we just have to get used to, guys. Um, we live in a crooked and perverse nation according to Philippians chapter 2. The world is designed to rob you. And every system is going to rob you until there's no more to rob. And then they want you to die because you're a drain on the system. That's what the world provides. That's, what, that's the world that we're sending our kids into. The bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. Guys, here's the deal. The divine law is this. He is keeping score. It's not our job. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Romans chapter 12 was all about this. Pray for them that persecute you. Give your enemies what they need. You're heaping coals of fire on their head. I don't know what that means. I need to find out what that means because it sounds awesome, but it's like, I don't know what it means, but yeah. So, all right. Verse 62. At midnight, I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. This is a fresh perspective on the promises. At midnight, when it is the darkest, I will rise. We just all need to say that. I will rise. Life has, life has knocked you down and kicked you. See, the promise of Scripture is this. Man, if you follow God's word, you'll never have an occasion for stumbling. You know that? That's how perfect God's word is. If you just do it this way, you're never going to stumble. But life will knock you down. Life does happen, right? Man, things happen, right? The deal is, do we get up or do we lay there? No, I will rise and give thanks unto thee. Man, at midnight, at the darkest possible moment in the night, the darkest times in our lives, they're always, the good response is always giving of thanks. We know this in, Philipp in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, right? And we always say, well, yeah, sure, you can be thankful in everything, but you don't be thankful for everything. No, I think, I think that's exactly wrong, because Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, it tells us, Giving thanks for, giving thanks always for all things. Right? Unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way that's possible is because of that next phrase, thy righteous judgments. Everything will be made right in the end because God said it would be. God is perfectly just in how he deals with people. Verse 63, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. This is a fresh perspective on the people of God. Guys, like it or not, you're with me for eternity. Amen. Sorry about that. Apologize. We need to get used to it because you know what? Um, whether you, this is going to sound, no, Jesus Christ paid the same price for all of us in this room. That makes us all equally valuable. Sometimes we, we get in a situation where we don't value the other people in the body of Christ. And that's exactly what Satan wants, is to break our unity. 
Man, God values unity so much. This is how God values it. He values it even to the point of the lost people building a tower. And what's his testimony? There is nothing that these people can't do when they work together. So he sends a language to disunite people. How much does that happen around here? Right? But what does he do with, in Acts chapter 1? He uses language to unite people. Man, we're speaking the same language when we're talking about Jesus Christ. Very interesting. In the course of all of last year and all its craziness, um, you know when the Apostle Paul says, um, you know, I hear there's the divisions among you. And he says, okay, by the way, the, if there's divisions among you, there's also heresies among you. I challenge you guys, go look up the word that the word heresy is rooted from. It actually is defined to elect someone to office. Look at the church and what, what has happened to the church because of the garbage that's going on in Washington, D.C. Division, because we're so political. I was driving home last Sunday, and I'm listening to a message. The pastor, the pastor was talking about all the promises that we have in the Bible for people. And then he says, you know what? We should govern our land by God's, the place erupts. They should be erupting at all the promises we have in the Bible. I don't know where the idea comes that God's concerned about America. God's concerned about Americans. We have to get that straight. We're not God's gift to the world. We are God's gift to the world, the church. That's very important because, man, I know churches in, in our fellowship that have paid dearly over the last year. And it should break our hearts. Man, we keep his precepts, right? Peace is always the answer. Precept means this, thing appointed. Man, God's appointed things are always perfect. And God's appointed us to one thing, peace. As much as life within you, live peaceably among all men. Do that on social media. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And the God of peace, peace shall be with you. Man, everything in our life should result in peace. Because, you know, like it says in 2 Timothy chapter, or 1 Timothy chapter 2, talking about praying for leaders. It's not about praying for leaders to change. Man, it's like, you know what? Um, when, when, they're, when they're putting people, your friends, on light poles and setting them on fire in Nero's circus in the first century, um, your natural response is bitterness and anger towards leadership. You pray for that person just to get on God's page when it comes to that person. Your peace and quiet comes from Jesus Christ, not from a change in the circumstance. Romans 8.28 is our great promise. We know that all things work together for good to them that are called according to his purpose, right? To them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And verse 64 says this. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. This is a fresh perspective on God's plan. World missions. There is an entire world out there that are in dire need of God's mercy. The mission is the world, right? We have the answer for every person on this planet. Man, the good news of Jesus Christ is the answer for every person on this planet. We should find incredible confidence and boldness there. 
right? The earth, the earth is full of mercy. We just need to let people know about it. It's available. Man, thy statutes, something prescribed. That's what statutes means. You guys go to the doctor, you're sick. They give you a prescription, right? Chris Best did this to me last week. Thank God. I, I, I should have put a picture of, yeah. I should have put a picture of what I, I showed Sam yesterday. He's like, dude, I don't even know. You don't even look like that, you know, because I, I was so swollen. And we were at prayer on last Wednesday, last Wednesday, and Chris says, he sends me one text message. Do you need some prednisone? I was like, I absolutely need a reset button, prednisone. Yeah, because I'm I'm about to explode here. Oh, James, is, James has seen the picture, I think. Yeah, so, but, um, man, you know what, guys? The great, our great physician, the Lord Jesus, he's the prescription for the world. This is our task, beginning right outside, beginning as soon as we leave these doors. We've got something to share with people. But here's the deal. Until you take the time to earn their heart, you don't deserve their ear. You don't just get to go out and start preaching. That doesn't make any sense. No, build a relationship. Show the person that you love them. This is what God did. He's, he makes things and then he says it's good. Satan just talks. You get what I'm saying? I mean, we need, to, we need to win this city for Jesus Christ. And the only way we're going to do that is win their heart. We have the best news on the planet. And once, man, you know what? Once we get out of Kansas City, man, there's an entire world. Our job's never finished. We have the remedy, but we need to believe it ourselves. Here's the deal, guys. If, if you don't believe that you're complete in him, you really have nothing to offer anybody else. We need to get back to the simplicity that is in Christ that says, you know what? What I have, he is my portion. It is a good thing. Because the minute we've redefined it as not good anymore, we have nothing to share. I wouldn't share this with anybody else. It ain't working out for me. You, you see what I'm saying? So anything that distracts us from the, the good news that's actually happened to us, we need to get back to the good news. So think about it this way. If I have bad news to share with you guys, what am I going to do? I'm going to learn as much as I can about it. I'm going to have to devise some kind of mechanism to deliver the bad news. And I'm probably going to wait for the right time to share that bad news. I just explained the personal evangelism course. You know what? We as people are naturally inclined to share good news. It just bubbles out. I don't got to think about it. I don't got to pray about it. Man, you know what? Something good has happened to me. I'm going. I'm going to tell my friends. By the way, I don't, I don't go to some stranger's house and tell them the good news. Naturally. You, you get what I'm saying? Like if somebody was sick and they got better, I'm not going to go to some stranger and it's like, hey, no, actually, I'm going to go people that I have built a relationship with. We need to get back to a natural situation where, hey, you know what? What I've got is really good, and you need to hear about it because I care about you. And it might cost me a lunch or a cup of coffee, and that's totally cool because Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, everything. Father, forgive them for what they do. Man, I am willing to be spent and to spend for you. Like everything, we live in a world, we've created a system where the Great Commission doesn't cost us anything. That's absurd. Anytime we go, it's going to cost us something. We need to embrace that cost. 
man, you know what? We, it costs, but it'll never match the value of what we're giving. That make sense? So that's the, the prescription, man. That's God's plan for us. It has to begin here and just work its way out. All right? So let's pray and we'll be done. Dude, sorry, three minutes. Four minutes. So, all right, let's pray. Father, I thank you um, just for how good you are to us, God. Lord, I pray that, that as I hurried through this, Lord, that... God, your spirit would, would, would still just be able to take the truth of your word, Father, and just plant it deep and, and, and just bring it to remembrance sometime this week, Lord, that, God, we would just rest in our portion. And that's you, Father. And, and God, I pray that we would be people that, that don't have any, any feeling of lack or negativity when it comes to all that you've done for us. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, I pray that we would be people that, that view him in all of his glory, in all of his majesty, in all of his splendor. And God, that, that, that Lord, your son is everything to us, Father. God, I thank you for that, Lord. I don't, don't even know. Help me to just stay on that page with you, Father. God, I thank you. I pray for each person in this room, Lord, to be able to Man, just look at, a, look at this week with a fresh perspective, Lord, based on all that we've talked about, Father. God, I thank you. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.